Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So all things being equal, the goal today is to simply be able to finish the broadcast, something we were not able to do yesterday. I actually got a lot of nice messages from a lot of you yesterday because apparently this was more harrowing on air than I realized. Connor Riley is producing today. He was not here yesterday. So as we're doing the R.S. Andrews Cooldown at the end of the show, the, like, I don't want to say the, it's more than it's like it's kind of like the when you're in high school and like the principal comes over the intercom we had like an intercom go off and like they said everybody get to the uh you know had to take shelter we had to go like sheltering in place into the hallways here the bowels of our dog nation world headquarters studios apparently it was a little bit of a of a cliffhanger ending to the show at least on video yesterday so uh for those of you that send messages i certainly appreciate that and for those of you that i even got got a few of these messages there as well of like hey what happened to the podcast cool down yesterday that's the the moment in the show we take comments on the podcast we actually got kicked out of the studio yesterday we did not get a chance to provide one of those but for those of you who normally watch on video if you missed our interview with john stinchcomb john not able to join us because the weather wreaked havoc with our phone lines we actually did record something with john that we put on the podcast so check out dog nation daily on podcast and you can get all of that from yesterday now speaking of yesterday We began the show by saying that, hey, it was a great run for Georgia in the NFL draft with nine players selected. That's a record for the program that's worth celebrating. And it's also instructive, if you want to look beyond that, of what's the next step for Georgia, that next frontier in terms of actually winning the national championship. And if you look at the last three national champions, the seasons that have taken place since Georgia last made the playoff in 2017, what you see is, especially if you kind of make room for multiple years worth of worth of data on this, what you see is is those national championship teams have somewhere around a half dozen first round picks. Some on offense, some on defense. Some of these coming in the year after they win the national championship. Some of these from that same team who were not draft eligible that year going later on. But you see, like around a half dozen or so. I think Clemson in 2018 so far only has five, but maybe maybe more still to come off that 2018 roster. But but I think LSU's up to six now. Alabama obviously had six here this year off its 2020 national championship team. You see like a half dozen first-round picks for recent national champions, and I just think it stands to reason. It's not hard and fast science, but it stands to reason that if Georgia is going to put itself in the best position for its own national championship here during the 2021 season, then as we said yesterday, you probably need to start looking for about a half dozen guys who are going to play like high-end first-round picks to get that done. And so one of the things that we said yesterday was, well, let's spend a few days in the days to come looking at the potential candidates for Georgia to do just that. And let's see if we can have something that kind of approximates a scientific conversation about, you know, what is the benchmark required if you want to get there? Now, quarterback seems like a great place to start because, as I said with John Stinch coming in our interview yesterday, in addition to quarterback play at a first-round level being a hallmark of recent national champions, Clemson, LSU, Alabama, it also seems to be a lever for other first-round picks. Wide receivers and running backs seem to go along with these first-round type quarterbacks. And so with Georgia, obviously the, the thought is you may be in very good position for the 2021 season with JT Daniels at the helm. In fact, FoxSports.com, Jason McIntyre, the writer, with its way too early 2022 mock draft, it projects JT Daniels to go number one overall. If you're interested, it'd be the Detroit Lions that McIntyre has has Daniels going to. So I guess uh, Mac, uh, Daniels following the footsteps of former Georgia quarterback Matthew Stafford now in LA, if you believe Jason McIntyre on this. But what's interesting is for McIntyre in his mock draft at FoxSports.com, he actually has seven quarterbacks going in the 2022 draft, which is obviously you know more than we had this year. And I believe that'd be a record for all time, I think, or at least certainly very close to it. Uh, let me show you this for if you're watching on video. These are the quarterbacks that McIntyre uh, could see going in the 2022 draft, as I said before, led by JT Daniels. Believe it or not, the guy that Georgia just played in the Peach Bowl, Desmond Ritter, uh, McIntyre has him going second overall. Of course, he's out of Cincinnati. Then you get to Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma, Sam Howell from North Carolina, Jaden Daniels, the quarterback at Arizona State, Carson Strong, who's quarterback at Nevada, and then the guy that 
uh, kind of overtook JT Downs at USC, Keaton Slovis also going in the first round there as well. So interesting to see Jason McIntyre projecting Daniels going number one overall, but also interesting to see how much potential competition there could be to be a first round quarterback next year with, you know, guys like Riddler and you know everybody else that's kind of in the in the uh, in the fold there who are also contending for one of those first round spots. It's kind of an interesting thing all the way around Spencer Rattler and everything else included for for who you might you know see go in that first round next year. So that kind of got us thinking. Well, if you wanted to play like a first round pick that was also capable of leading Georgia to a national championship, what exactly would that need to look like from JT Daniels? Now, this is where I'm going to get a little bit nerdy for a second. And y'all, I'm going to work really hard to make this very easy to understand. And I also want to say this, what I'm about to explain to you, I'm not here to tell you that this is the only way to potentially crunch these numbers and potentially project these numbers. You may come up with a sort of a different evaluation in your own mind. And if you think that your evaluation is better than mine, then by all means, reach out and tell me at Dog Nation Daily on Twitter or in any of our comment sections. I actually just want to have this conversation. I'm not about to give this to you as if it was given to me, you know, on Man Olympus or something like that. This is just sort of the best I could do to kind of come up with what a reasonable projection would be for JT Daniels here this past season and I have done so by looking at quarterbacks who were taken in the first round over the course of the last three NFL drafts that's kind of the span of time that we're kind of working with here now here's what I've also done because when you look at these quarterbacks one of the things that you see is for instance uh what do you have five quarterbacks taken this year in the first round there were four taken in 2020 there were three taken in 2019 so when you look at some of these quarterbacks what you kind of realize is they're not all perfect comps to JT Daniels. For instance, Daniel Jones from the 2019 draft is sort of taken because of projecting, you know, talent, you know, kind of viewing him as more of a project and a prospect than a finished project. You might say the same thing about Jordan Love coming out of Utah, who is not really, you know, competing for national championships, things like that. Trey Lance, kind of the same way. You might say that about him. I would say even Zach Wilson as well, because that's kind of a level below what we think of Georgia and the SEC as. So here is what I've tried to do. I've tried to look at the quarterbacks taken in the first round over the last three years who were also Heisman finalists. To me, when you kind of cross-reference first-round picks with Heisman finalists, at that point in time, you kind of get to a group that, to me, sort of feels like JT Daniels. Now, also within this group as well, here's what's kind of confusing, is we've actually had a weird three years in the fact that not everybody played the same number of games in 2020. Uh, you had some guys who were hurt over the course of the 2018-2019 season. So I've tried to kind of... <laughs> sort of pick a full season for each of these guys that gives you kind of a projection for what they might be uh, in terms of what you could expect from JT Daniels. So for Trevor Lawrence, I took his national championship season of 2018, even though he obviously played in 2019 and 2020. For Justin Fields, who was a first-round pick this year and a Heisman finalist uh, you know, as well during his career, I took his season in 2019. That was his full year that he played there for Ohio State. For Joe Burrow, obviously I took the 2019 season for him for Tua Tungo Vailoa I took the 2018 season for him and then for Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins the two quarterbacks drafted in the 2019 draft I took their 29 their 2018 seasons as a way of making this projection does that make sense trying to pick a full season for these guys uh, that was representative of their skill set as a way of making a comparison for JT Daniels now for JT Daniels, here is what I did. Obviously, he played in four games for Georgia last year, which is not a full season. But when you look at what a full season might be, let's go ahead and give him 15 games, thinking that Georgia plays for a national championship. And let's assume here, and this is where I'm taking some liberties with the assumption. When you play a longer season, some of those games come against better competition, a Clemson, for instance, or who you might play in an SEC championship and college football playoff. But this is also adding games against, like, say, UAB and Charleston Southern. So I'm making kind of a broad assumption that when you add to 15 games, it kind of averages out to be on equal to what, what Daniels played in his four games last year, the three games against SEC competition, and the bowl game against a highly rated Cincinnati. Does that make sense? So if you look at his stat line in his four games, kind of project that over the course of 15 games, assuming it kind of all averages out. And if you average together the seasons of Trevor Lawrence in 20. 2018, Justin Fields in 2019, Joe Burrow in 2019, Tua Tungavailoa in 2018, Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins in 2018. This is the comparison that you get. 
Hopefully you're still following in all of this on video. Let me show it to you and I will read it to you for everybody else. So if we project out it for a full season for JT Daniels, you get 4,616 yards, a 67.2% completion percentage, 10.3 yards per attempt, 38 touchdowns, seven and a half interceptions. Now, in comparison to some very good seasons from some very good quarterbacks, the numbers for Daniels, if you can project it out over the course of 15 games, it actually uh, compares fairly favorably in some of these areas. For instance, Daniels has more passing yards than the comparable quarterbacks. They only had 4,230 yards. Daniels' completion percentage is slightly smaller. Uh, the comparison quarterbacks had 69.5% completion percentage. I'm not sure that's much of a difference. They essentially had the same yards per attempt. That's a stat that really matters to me. But this is sort of the point of the whole exercise. If you really want to look at the big difference between the very best quarterbacks of the last three years, those guys who were first-round picks and Heisman Trophy winners in comparison to JT Daniels, it's in the number of touchdown passes thrown. The comparison quarterbacks average 44 touchdown passes per year in their season that we're using here, whereas JT Daniels averaged just 38. So all of that to say this. If you really do believe that JT Daniels can be a first-round pick this, in this upcoming NFL draft in 2022, and why would you not? He's obviously got the potential and the talent to do that. But if you're really looking to see the missing piece in all of that, it's not really completion percentage. It's not really yards per attempt. Those numbers all look really good. Even the total number of passing yards, if you project out Daniels over the course of a full season, that looks pretty good there as well. Interceptions, Daniels is on pace to throw slightly more than some of the best quarterbacks. But once again, we're talking about the difference of a couple of picks. I'm not quite so sure over the course of a long season that matters all that much. But the big difference for Daniels, the big difference for Georgia, the big threshold for him to step over that he hasn't crossed over yet if he wants to look like a Trevor Lawrence or a Tuatunga Vailoa or a Joe Burrow or a Kyler Murray or these quarterbacks that led their team to the college football playoff he simply got to throw more touchdowns and if you close your eyes and think about this in the real world you can kind of imagine this, right? I mean, think about the big numbers that that he put up in the Mississippi State game, as a for instance. Georgia that day still only scored 35 points. So that is the final threshold for Daniels. It's going to show up hopefully in the, in, the, in the Clemson game to start the season and then against lesser competition in games after that. Not just compiling the yards, not just completing passes, but finding a way to strike in the end zone. If Daniels really can add more touchdowns to his projected total compared to what he did a year ago, go and that could be the big step he could take towards actually looking like some of these quarterbacks who've been Heisman finalists and been first round picks and led their team to the college football playoff and perhaps even beyond that here over the course of the last three seasons so kind of a simple look at that there this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans presented today by engineered solutions of georgia my name is brandon adams and i am glad to have you with us here today no matter how you get to us today live on video 10 a.m facebook youtube twitter twitch on the radio at noon on athens sports radio 960 the ref and as a podcast wherever you find them including the world famous dognation.com just really happy to have you with us here today of course big thanks to our friends at eosog for making it all possible you know they are official partners of the university of georgia that always makes them fun to do business with they've been longtime friends of ours here on dog nation daily there as well so it's always good to support those who are supporting dog nation and supporting uga and everything like that and that's what you're going to feel good about when you support engineered solutions of georgia but let me tell you what's even better than that esog shows up in a big way to help you with your foundation and your waterproofing issues this stuff matters it is so important when you're a homeowner to make sure that you're protecting the structural integrity of your home so when you see that water creeping in when it rains you know that could be the sign of a more substantial problem when you see those cracks there in your foundation it's the kind of thing that causes you to kind of stop in your tracks there for a moment but don't just stop and do nothing stop and take the next step by reaching out to my friends and engineered solutions of georgia they're a solutions-based company that means they're going to provide an answer to you for your problem and all this kind of stuff and if it's simple and easy they'll tell you that and if it's more substantial obviously they'll tell you that there as well they're also really easy to get in touch with you can simply give them a call 678-ESOG now that's 678-ESOG now and that'll get you in touch with my friends at engineered solutions of georgia and of course it's great to have them as a part of our program here today we're going to get connor riley here coming up in just a moment before that though let's go around the doghouse and 
Obviously, we're in the time of year. We sort of knew this was coming, and it is now coming now, where with the, uh, you know, kind of loosening of the transfer restrictions and the installation of the kind of the free pass and the one-time transfer, and we just sort of knew that much the same way the transfer conversation has been hot and heavy now for the last couple of years in college football, it was going to get even more intense in the time to come. And on a roster like Georgia that's very deep and where a lot of people aren't getting a chance to play as maybe as much as they would like to in a perfect situation, that Georgia might be more susceptible to this than some other programs are. Latest example of that is Major Burns, who has put his name into the transfer portal, of course, a 2020 signee for, for the uh, Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, put it out on Twitter yesterday that, that he's looking to move on from UGA. Had some nice things to say about the dogs but apparently he believes his next uh, kind of take a play on his name major move is to move on to another program and I guess here's what I'll say about this I think that this is a little bit of a loss for George I think it's certainly a disappointing thing for UGA fans coming on the heels of spring practice and some of the stuff that Smart said about Burns a year ago when he got a chance to play did not play perfectly played a lot for instance in the Florida game a game in which the Georgia defense kind of got torched in but after the game you know Smart talked about some growing pains and some things that Burns was learning there and you certainly got the impression that Smart was happy with the development that Major Burns is making on the heels of spring practice here I think you would have said that while Major Burns is not really a candidate to start for Georgia right now he might be Georgia's first safety off the bench as as a for instance and a guy that uh is a contender for playing time and a chance to start for Georgia maybe a year from now in 2022 so losing Burns the transfer portal even if it's kind of a unavoidable consequence of the current age we live in in college football you know it is a little bit of a disappointment for Georgia because Burns I think was a part of UGA's defensive back particularly there at safety depth now Georgia doesn't rotate and play quite as many safeties as it does cornerbacks nickelbacks you know things along those lines but still you want to have that that depth Burns I think is a guy who's capable of playing at Georgia and in the years to come would have played a lot more but alas he's on his way to the transfer portal so as a Georgia fan I'm a little bit disappointed about this doesn't mean it's a death knell to Georgia or anything like that you've got you know guys like Latavius Brini, who this probably opens up more of an opportunity for. Obviously, you still have Tyke Smith coming in at the at the the nickel position. He's also got a chance to play some safety for you there as well. So it's not like Georgia was out of options here. But Burns, I believe, was above the line of someone good enough to play at Georgia, and in future years, including 2021, some you're going to see him play a little bit more. Also, by way of opinion, I'll tell you this. This is the kind of transfer that I personally would have no problem if the rules were just a little bit more stringent and a little bit more strict to prevent these kinds of transfers. And I know that's, is it anathema? Is that the big word I'm looking for here? I know that's like, you know, uh, completely uh, opposite of the way that a lot of people feel. And And I respect and understand those who say, hey, whatever the players want to do, we ought to open up the rule book to allow the players to do exactly what they want to do. I understand where the where that feeling comes from, as we've said before. We may disagree on what's best for players, but hopefully me, you, and everybody in between all would acknowledge that whatever is best for players is what's best. And I can certainly understand why somebody would say that it's just best to let players do what they want. If they get restless and uh, you know, you know, you know, ready to move on because they're not playing enough, then by all means let them move on. But think about this for a moment. If you really are like the number three safety at Georgia, not on the field, but waiting the wings, the next guy to be on the field, and that's potentially what Major Burns was. I mean, how many better opportunities are you going to get than that around college football, given the fact that Georgia's entire secondary just got drafted into uh, you know, the NFL? Uh, obviously, at least the overwhelming majority of those guys just got taken in the NFL draft this past weekend. So sometimes I would suggest, and I say this as someone who's got a little bit of gray in my hair now, not quite as young as some of the guys we talk about here on the show anymore, that actually staying where you are and waiting the wings and being patient might actually be a better overall situation than whatever it is that you think that you're moving on to by throwing your name to the transfer portal. Now, it's hard to tell a guy like that when it's his own life and it's his own career and it's own you know stuff that he's thinking about. But pulling back from the kind of you know 10,000-foot view, I think sometimes you see that a little bit more clearly. So admittedly, I'm not a huge fan of the transfer portal, even though someone hypocritical, I'm always talking about some of these names that Georgia might have a chance to bring in there on that. These are strange times that we're living in college football. Obviously, we wish Burns the best as he looks forward to uh, you know finding, I guess, a better opportunity for him somewhere else, and we'll continue to wish him well as he does that. But this, to me, an example of the kind of transfer 
that I sort of wish the uh, the current transfer rules might you know work to pre- to, uh, to prevent. That is around the doghouse here today. We'll get Connor Riley on this and a lot more in just a moment. Before we do that, let me also remind you about my friends at SecondChance.Law. I think the work they do is just so valuable when it comes to a really important issue. You know, you've got. You know, some people you know, obviously have things on their record that they wish they could kind of move away from because it prevents them from getting the job they might like to get or, in some cases, the living opportunity they want to take advantage of and enjoy. Well, that's what secondchance.law can help with because there's some new laws in Georgia that allow certain old convictions to be restricted off your criminal history, which is a really cool thing. But like a lot of things with the law, deciding if you're eligible for this can actually be kind of confusing. So this is what secondchance.law does. They put together a free online quiz that you can take and by answering these questions you can determine are you eligible for this program or not and the good news is even if you're not secondchance.law can give you a couple tips a couple pointers for you to figure out how you could become eligible for something like this so it's, it's a great thing also i love my friends at secondchance.law because uh one of the partners is a double dog that means two-time graduate of the university of georgia long-time listener to dog nation daily a former redcoat we love the redcoat band around here and uh one of the partners here is a former redcoat band member so that's a really cool thing so the website to go to is secondchance.law that's secondchance.law and you can find out your eligibility there today all right a lot to do in the program sometimes the portal giveth sometimes the portal taketh away maybe an example of georgia looking into the portal for an interesting name we'll talk about that before we're done on today's program but for now a lot on what's going on with burns nfl draft recap and a little bit of a look at what we just talked about with jt daniels let's say hello to connor riley right now as a part of a kroger fresh take From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So we'll say hello to Connor Riley here. Kroger Fresh Take. A lot to look at with UGA as Connor wrote at DogNation.com, I believe, this morning. There isn't going to be an offseason. It's going to be uh, uh, the Georgia's got roster spots to fill. Uh, another scholarship just comes available because of because of uh burns departure here so there's gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a lot of movement a lot of discussion of course recruiting never really slows down around here either so busy off season connor good to have you with us to talk about that let me bring you in on the major burns thing you know i think this is a little bit of a loss for georgia because i think that burns is a guy that's good enough to play and was going to play more probably some this year certainly maybe a lot more in 2022 and i don't mind telling you that you know, I, I, I guess I sort of wish that these kinds of transfers weren't happening around the rest of college football because I'm not quite so sure that a player like this waiting the wings for a chance to play like Georgia, I'm honestly not so sure he's going to find a better chance than that somewhere else. But uh, maybe I'm just kind of out of touch with modern times on this. So I'll bring you in for your thoughts on what's next for Major, what's next for UGA in light of all of this. I don't know. If you're good enough for LSU to want you as a prospect in the 2020 class, if you're good enough for to sign at Georgia, I think you can play a lot of places and the reality was Major Burns probably wasn't going to play a whole lot this year now losing him I think does impact the depth uh, at Georgia has at this position and I also don't expect Major Burns to be the last safety or defensive back that enters the, the transfer portal from Georgia this year but you know, yes, it's a loss, especially from a depth per perspective. But as far as you know, him entering the transfer portal, that's just the reality we live in now. And you know, we've re- read the story on DogNation.com. Jeff Sintel over a year ago wrote a very great profile on Major Burns. He lost his dad in 2018. May want to move back home closer to his family. May want to go play for LSU there. And so I'm certainly understanding and sympathetic of this transfer portal rules and changes and ultimately these guys want to play and get in the field and you know it's fair to say your point that you know hey he might not have a better opportunity than at Georgia but I would also point out Georgia's already got five-star athlete Malachi Starks committed to play next year they seem to be in the lead for the number one safety in the country in Kamari Wilson who's to say a year from now we're not hyping up Wilson and Starks and potentially saying oh these guys are going to pass up Major Burns on the Georgia depth chart yeah certainly a possibility of that I guess the one thing that we can agree on in the near term even though Burns not projected to be a starter this year this is you know a little bit of a blow to the Georgia depth there a little bit I probably kind of think of Burns as maybe the number three safety on this team possibly a little bit of a blow to the a little bit of a blow to the depth there I mean it, it 
three in the sense that I think Latavius Brini would be ahead of him, and I would think Tyke Smith would be as well, but those guys are probably playing at star for you. But I would still think, you know, depending on the situation, those guys would have seen the field before Major Burns. You think that Brini was ahead of Burns on the safety depth chart before now? I think so. I wonder about that. That's kind of interesting. I talked about JT Daniels a moment ago about my projection for him on the basis of what a 15-game season would look like. We'll think optimistically here. And in comparison to what, over the course of the last three years, quarterbacks who have been taken in the first round and who are also Heisman finalists. That's, after all, the kind of quarterback it seems like you need to really be in the playoff discussion as of, yeah. And to summarize what I spent a few minutes talking about before, the passing yards look good for Daniels. The completion percentage looks good for Daniels. The yards per attempt looks good for Daniels. If you're looking for the one area where there's more work to be done, more meat kind of left on the bone, if you will, seems like he probably needs to throw a few more touchdown passes over the course of a 15-game schedule. If you want to kind of put him in that same discussion of a of a Fields or a Kyler Murray or a Trevor Lawrence or a Tua Tungavailoa, or certainly a Joe Burrow had like 60. <laughs> um, that may be the, the outlier in the entire comparison here. But it sort of seems like if you're looking for that one area where over the course of a full season there's room for Daniels to do a little bit more, to me it kind of comes in the touchdowns thrown category. I'm just curious. Off the top of your head, do you know how many touchdowns Justin Fields threw for in 2019? Uh, four, I know because I was researching today. I believe it was 41. Would you have known that if you didn't look it up? I knew it was a lot. I, I wouldn't have known. I'm not the kind of guy that walks around with those stats in my head necessarily. I knew it was a lot. I knew it was 40 plus, but I wouldn't have known uh, how many it was. When it comes to JT Daniels and what we want to see out of him and what you potentially want to see him become a first-round draft pick, it's not about numbers or how many games Georgia wins. I'd like to quote a 1973 court, uh, Supreme Court case, Jacob, Jacob Ellis versus Ohio. I don't know what it is but I know it when I see it. And so you need JT Daniels to be a first-round quarterback yeah. and see it from him, more so than he throws X amount of touchdown passes or his yards per attempt number is X. He needs to look and play like a first-round quarterback. I think what's really interesting in all of this is, now here's the one thing that I was also kind of aware of, but when you actually see the numbers in black and white print, it, it sticks out a little bit more. Trevor Lawrence's numbers at Clemson are not eye-popping. No. I mean, it's kind of funny that he's kind of considered to be the greatest quarterback prospect of all time, and I say that in air quotes. And I'm not mocking that. I think Lawrence is a, a terrific quarterback as well, and I kind of always have. But he's never had a, a Joe Burrow season yep. or, a, or a, a Mac Jones season. He, he's never had one of those. In fact, if you look at the 2018 numbers, he only threw 30 touchdown passes in 2018. Now, that's the number I would not have guessed. I guess he also was slow to take over the starting quarterback yeah, at the beginning the of the year. Yeah, first four games that season. But he did play in all of those games. So, uh, so, but but you're, you, you do take some time off the beginning there. But he never really had in any of his years that like one of these just gigantic borough level seasons. That's the somewhat surprising thing to me is is that in comparison to the last two national championship quarterbacks, the the numbers for Lawrence are actually fairly paltry by comparison. Right, and Lawrence ended up going number one because he looked like what a number one quarterback prospect should look like. And while yes, he didn't have the the touchdown numbers that a Burrow or Justin Fields did. When the game was on the line and it mattered, I mean, obviously, maybe not in the national championship game this past year, or the the, uh, the Ohio State Clemson game, or the national championship game against LSU. But that 2019 game against Ohio State, that 2018 game against Alabama, when his team absolutely needed him to be the best player on the field, he was on a field loaded with pros. For JT Daniels to get to that 15th game to be that first round draft pick. More often than not this season, Georgia's going to need him to be the best player on the field, especially with George Pickens now out for the foreseeable future and possibly the entire 2021 season. Yeah, because one of the things we're going to talk about in the days to come is is that if you look at these recent national champions and the huge number of first-round picks they've had, it really seems like quarterback, and I used the same phrase with John Stinchcomb yesterday, I used again with you right now, is kind of a lever in that if your quarterback plays the way that the best quarterback is going to play, that's good for your wide receivers, it's good for your running backs, which, by the way, all three of the most recent national champions have had first-round running backs mm -hmm. leading their offense in a way that's kind of running countercourse to the rest of the football world where we have right. less popular first-round running backs than ever before. Last three national champions have had first-round running backs at the center of all of this, but it's all kind of led by that first-round quarterback. That If the quarterback plays the way that he's supposed to, all of a sudden the rest of the offense seems to get a lift from that there too. Mm -hmm. Right. I think you can even look back to the, or the 2020 NFL draft. 
if Jake Fromm plays better and, and the Georgia offense is better as a byproduct of that in the 2019 season, DeAndre Swift is probably a first-round pick. But because the rest of the offense was so gummed up by the passing struggles that season, I, I don't think DeAndre Swift got to show just how talented and good he really was. And you could pull that out to the wide receiver numbers as well. You know, if if JT Daniels is really good, and I mean really, really good this season, Jermaine Burton's probably going to have 1,000 yards receiving. Mm-hmm. Garris Jackson might approach those numbers. Darnell Washington is going to dwarf what draft picks Trey McKitty and Charlie Warner did these past two seasons. So if those guys are producing those type of numbers, it all sort of leads back to JT Daniels. So let me be super nerdy for a second, then we'll move off of uh, Daniels. By the way, I'm about to announce our Kroger Five Star mom for today there as well. So stay with that as a part of our Kroger Fresh Take here. But if we brought in like one of these like math guy, you know, nerdy football, you know, minds, and we said, hey, if we want the most accurate projection for JT Daniels this upcoming season, one of the things that super nerdy guy would say is, well, you also have to consider what the typical value of the Georgia quarterback position has been. In other mm-hmm. words, you got to look at the last five years of Georgia quarterbacks because that's going to kind of factor into what Daniels does this year because he is the current Georgia quarterback. Right. And obviously that's going to be a little bit of a weight on Daniels' projection because the Georgia quarterback numbers, you know, the last five years or so have not been particularly good. Now, there is reason for some Georgia fans, though, to say, well, this ain't your daddy's Georgia quarterback anymore because it's Todd Munkin in year two. It's JT Daniels who's getting all this sort of preseason love and all the things kind of related to that, but easy to forget that that Jamie Newman was getting the same level of love a year ago. I mean, sometimes we have a tendency to kind of do this no matter who the Georgia quarterback is. The point here is how much do you think the – the, the, the previous history of Georgia quarterbacks should be factored into what we think is possible for Daniels here for this upcoming season. None. I, I, I hope I, you're right. I think Todd Munkin is – and you're the leader of the, the, the James Coley, anti-James Coley oh, bandwagon sure. at this point. But I, just what Todd Munkin does with his offense is so fundamentally different than what Coley and even Jim Chaney had done. I think the most touchdown passes that a Georgia quarterback has had since Kirby Smart took over was 30 by Jake Fromm in 2018. If JT Daniels only has 30 passing touchdowns this season, that's not – and I know I just sort of poo-pooed the whole numbers thing, but Georgia does need that to be greater than that, I think. Unless, you know, Zamir White has a truly monster and massive season or Kendall Milton or pick whichever running back you want. But I, I think this Georgia offense is going to stylistically look very different, maybe even from what we saw a season ago, just in the sense that they'll be able to do more and operate with greater confidence now that they have JT Daniels and they have these off-season practice workouts to get things done. So, yes, you are certainly correct, and I think bringing up the past Georgia quarterbacks, but just given how much experience this group has, both at the quarterback and, I would say, the wide receiver position, because to keep referencing nerdy guys here on May 4th, a, a nerd's paradise. Sure. Um Wide receiver returning numbers often play a very significant role in how a quarterback and an offense as a whole develop over the course of a year. So one more semi-nerdy thing we'll move off is I just quickly perused Jake Fromm's career game logs at George. Now, the reason why I picked Fromm is because he was a three-year starter, and he was an NFL-level player. He was drafted into the NFL. So there's a fairly interesting comparison here. And I did this fairly quick, but I believe I'm right about this. Fromm only threw four touchdown passes in a game twice. Did it against Georgia Tech in 2018, and then again in 2019 so that kind of gives you an idea of just how infrequently George has had these mm-hmm. like multiple touchdown pass games from its quarterback so to me if you want a really interesting idea for how good JT Daniels is going to be for Georgia in 2021 I don't think you have to look too much further past the Clemson game in terms of if Daniels throws touchdowns, multiple touchdowns, let's say he throws three touchdowns in that mm-hmm. game against a Clemson defense that we think of as really, really good, then the idea that Daniels is about to then go on the kind of run that equals the kind of 40-plus touchdown passes that the best quarterbacks have had over the course of the last three years, if you do that against Clemson, you really have reason to believe that this really is about to happen. Now, is it possible that you don't play well against Clemson and you do play well against everybody else that's obviously possible I guess I'm more talking about the the potential projection of if Daniels is throwing three touchdown passes against Clemson then Georgia fans better get ready to buckle up for the kind of air raid you know scoring through the air offense that really Georgia just has not had a number of years I would say maybe ever uh you know in this program history Mike Bobo certainly had some great offenses but I would say those were still predicated on the run game there and to the Clemson point that game is we've said it time and time again is going to be a tone setter for the rest of that season just in the sense that JT Daniels comes out and looks great right there and, and plays well in that game 
I, I know the mock draft you referenced had him at number one. More often than not, I've seen him in the you know middle tier, sure. you know fourth or fifth quarterback sure. off the board. If he goes, if he plays well and lights it up in that game, he's going to be a consensus top five pick in my opinion. And you know whether he ultimately is that will depend on how his knee checks out at the combine next year. But if he plays well in that game, that is just going to be another tone setter for that Clemson game, which absolutely will set the tone and tenor for this Georgia season. I want to talk more about the NFL draft and the Georgia performance there in in just a moment. But here's part of our Kroger Fresh Tech. We've also been honoring our Kroger Five Star Moms here this week. It's been such a fun promotion to do. We've gotten so many great submissions for that. And we've got a great collection of gifts, courtesy of our friends at Kroger, for the winner here. You know, multitude of uh, gift cards, including a great gift card there to Kroger there as well. Today, I want to congratulate Rosemary Bayer, who is the winner of our Kroger Five Star Mom. She was not nominated by our daughter-in-law, Judith Bayer. Uh, how about Rosemary? 94 years young, still lives by herself, uh, awesome mother to five children, 10 grandchildren, and more than, get this now, 10 great grandchildren kind friendly generous with compliments uh, a wonderful mother-in-law what a cool thing here rosemary bayer 94 years old our kroger five-star mom for today we've got more of these to give out here over the course of the rest of the week but uh 94 years that's amazing what a really cool thing we love that great legacy we love the role that family plays in the lives of so many of our uh folks around here at dog nation we're honored to be giving out these kroger five-star moms uh here this week and by the way speaking of kroger you can treat your mom like a five-star uh whether you're a winner this week or not when it comes to kroger uh kroger.com slash mother's day place to go to find out more about this whether you want brunch recipes gift ideas greeting cards gift cards how about the outdoor patio furniture all the great savings you have on all that kind of stuff at kroger right now you can find out all about that when you go to kroger.com slash mother's day and get involved in all of that here today congratulations to our kroger five-star mom for today stay tuned tomorrow as we get ready to announce another one of those this has just been so much fun to be able to do what else was fun here this uh, past weekend was looking at all the georgia guys who were drafted into the uh, nfl draft nine taken overall it's a program record for georgia and quite a continued run of georgia as i said on yesterday's show it seems like ancient history when Georgia had one player taken in the 2017 draft after Smart's first season as Georgia coach. They have been a fixture on draft day and every year since then. Connor, what was your overall take of you know the nine taken in, throughout the draft, just the one name called in round one, and kind of everything in between on all of that? Where do you think Georgia stands after 2021 draft weekend? This is fully now Kirby Smart's program, mm-hmm. and I think the NFL draft showed that nine players taken a program record 23 over the last three years that is also a program record six taken in the first three rounds Kirby Smart has pretty clearly put his fingerprints all over this program now and you're going to continue to see this seven eight nine some years even double digits like I think they have the potential to get to in 2022 now having said all that you look at some of the other teams that had those high draft totals are you going to be an Alabama an Ohio State or are you going to be more like a Notre Dame, a Michigan, and a Florida where you are producing NFL-quality right. players, but you are not necessarily getting those same results that Alabama and Ohio State? And I would put Clemson in there as well. Yeah, we said this on yesterday's show, that total number of draft picks, because it does include the Floridas and the Michigans, teams like that, Notre Dame, that's not a very good predictor for national championship mm. success because Michigan's actually been near the top of the total draft pick number the last two years. Yep. Really have very little to show for it on the field. With this in mind, I thought that Zach Barnett had a really good piece at football scoop where he was trying to kind of determine draft value for colleges for the players that were taken. And he used a very simple formula. This, to me, is really smart. That if you look at the first 250 picks and you assign 250 points to the number one overall Mm -hmm. pick and then one point to every player taken 250 and later, Mm -hmm. you could add the value of all that together and determine – just how good your draft day was as a college as a for instance Notre Dame has nine draft picks Clemson had just five but if you use the formula that Barnett describes Clemson actually had a better draft than Notre Dame because of where the Clemson players were taken and we all understand that by this same metric Georgia finishes third of all the colleges in the the country behind as you said before just Alabama and Ohio State so that to me is fairly representative where Georgia is it is better and, and by the way there's so many categories where this is true it is better than almost everybody else by a long shot but there's just one or two teams you're still chasing and it always seems like one of those couple is always Alabama this year's draft like almost every metric we can do better than almost everybody still chasing those one or two yeah and you know that's unfortunately the atmosphere or neighborhood or whatever analogy you want to use that Georgia has chosen to live in they want to pursue and go after championships so for 98 99 percent of schools nine draft 
Pigs is absolutely something to celebrate. You know, for all the criticism that Dan Mullen has gotten, he should absolutely be thrilled that he put two first-round picks yeah. in the NFL draft and had eight draft picks. That's something you should absolutely be able to sell to recruits. For Georgia, it's sort of just a stroke of the shoulders of, yeah, you're supposed to be doing this. When you recruit at that level and you spend the money to win at that level, you should be having nine draft picks every season. And if you're going to continue to come up short against Alabama where eight of their ten picks were taken in the first, I believe, 38 selections, that's the team you're going to have to overcome. And it starts by doing it on the field, and then I think eventually that can trickle down into other areas like the draft and like the recruiting front. So I want to do this fairly quick, but I am curious of your opinion. So we're kind of looking over the course of the next few days at if the number is six, if you got to have, let's just shoot for the moon, so you got to have six first round picks. We're trying to like talk about those most reasonable candidates to truly be first round picks for Georgia. We did JT Daniels off the top of the show today. Mm-hmm. Even with the eye popping stats required, it's not unreasonable to say that JT Daniels could be one of those yep. first round picks. He is a very easy to project not a guarantee and i think jason mcintyre saying he'll go number one overall at fox sports is probably a little bit of a stretch uh but in terms of being in the first round fairly easy to say yeah do this and that's going to happen who are the next few names for you that kind of come up as fairly easy projections for first round picks and can you get to six off this 2021 team i think you have to include george pickens on there obviously it's all going to come down to how his knee heals and where it is especially when he tests and goes and gets it checked out at the nfl combine next year i would say jamari sawyer is someone to put in there you saw lander dickerson go 37th overall this year if he was healthy and didn't have the injury concerns he would have been a first round pick as well for alabama i think jamari sawyer could follow in those similar footsteps a versatile offensive lineman big mean nasty all the things you sort of look for great leadership i think he could sneak in around one next year you need Trayvon Walker to get there. You mm-hmm. need him to show that, hey, he could be a game-wrecking defensive lineman because while this draft didn't have a lot of them, traditionally those guys tend to shoot up draft boards. I, I think one of Adam Anderson and Nolan Smith, uh, they're both a little bit of a tricky evaluation. Because it-, it seems like there's a zero-sum game going right. with those two. That If one guy has a huge season, I hate to be this way, but it just seems to be kind of true, that if one guy has a huge season, he's sort of taking some food off somebody else's table. At least it seems that way. Adam Anderson, Trayvon Walker, Nolan Smith all can't have big seasons. They can all be very productive players and be key pieces in a Georgia defense, but they all can't hit 10 sacks. So someone is going to absorb those from the other. Anderson is a tricky evaluation because, look, if you're telling yourself that Adam Anderson can put on weight at this point in his career, I have some bad news for you. That's just not going to happen. We've been saying that for four year, for almost four full years now. So that weight thing is always going to be an issue, and how Georgia moves him around and plays him away from the edge is really going to determine if he can get in the first round. When it comes to Nolan Smith, yes, there were injury concerns when it came to Aziz Ojolari, but if you look at the pass rushers and edge rushers that were taken in the first round, I believe Quiddy Pay was the only one who was under 6'5". Nolan Smith is not that big, and so he's going to have to really work to overcome and have a special season if he is going to sneak into the first round. There. That's an actually an interesting number, and I hadn't quite thought about that in regards to Nolan. I, I will say, though, that you know when it comes to like buying stock in a Panini Prism rookie card or an NFT or something like that, I mean, I'd still have my eye on Nolan yeah. here a little bit. I, I feel like it is just amazing to me how former number one recruit, who I don't think any Georgia coach would say has played badly no. during his time in no. Georgia. I, I mean, that's the thing you got to remember here. You know, fans get restless because they don't see the stats, but you don't hear anyone connected to the Georgia program saying, what's wrong with Nolan Smith? I have not sold any of my Nolan Smith stock figuratively speaking here and when you're thinking about those first round picks nolan is still fairly prominent in my mind in regards to i don't know when people decided they were going to turn on nolan smith and and start being critical of saying oh you know he hasn't done this that and the other he was playing literally the exact same position behind a guy that led the sec in sacks was a top 50 draft pick and very well could have been a first round draft pick if he had gotten better medical grades so Yes, Nolan hasn't produced yet, but neither has Trayvon Walker, and people haven't turned on him because he was playing behind Malik Herring for two years. You know, N'Kobe Dean, yes, he's been very good, as we've talked about on the show before, but he has been Roquan good. So, again, with some of these guys' patience, and, and you've seen plenty of guys, like Christian Barrymore comes to mind, that had big junior seasons really took off, and that ended up propelling them into the first round of the draft. All right, last thing. I almost shouldn't even ask this, but I'm going to anyway. I feel like my track record of like not being one of these guys that comes on the show and saying, 
so-and-so announcer hates my team. I feel like I've got a fairly good track record mm-hmm. of not doing that kind of stuff. So what I'm about to say kind of comes from an honest place. I don't do this a ton. I'm almost positive I know where you're going here. Did you feel like the draft was negative to Georgia? I thought that uh, uh, who's Lewis? I thought Lewis Riddick was sort of weirdly cold after Eric Stokes got taken in the first round. Uh, I wasn't watching when Tyson Campbell got picked. I was coaching my son's baseball team. But some people were kind of telling me that they were kind of hammering the Campbell thing a little bit. I saw somebody else related to when Richard LeCount got picked. It just sort of seemed like uh, when when I, I did see this when um, who's my tight end uh, Trey McKitty when Trey McKitty got picked, they were kind of critical of Georgia not throwing to him more. I am not the guy that says the announcers are out to get my team. I've, I don't think I've ever done this on the show. But it seemed like the – and I was watching ESPN, not watching NFL Network. It seemed like the ESPN draft coverage was a little negative around Georgia. They were I, – I can tell you from watching, unfortunately, wall-to-wall coverage of it this weekend, uh, Mel Kiper was very critical of maybe not so much the players, but where Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell went, and, and more specifically who they went ahead of. And because you know Eric was round one, Tyson was the first pick in round two – they were maybe a little bit more, you know, hey, maybe you take a guy like Asane Samuel who might not have the physical gifts but played better collegiately. Specifically with the two corners, Mel Kuyper was very critical of the coaching job that Kirby Smarter had been done of those guys in terms of the consistency, in terms of the ball skills. I will have to say, though, I mean, they are right about Trey McKitty. For him to be a top 100 pick, a third-round pick, for him to have six catches last year, <laughs> that is a little eyebrow-raising. And, yes, there were obvious offensive concerns, but – Again, Georgia's had two tight ends taken in the last two NFL drafts, Charlie Warner in 2020. Neither of them had more than 10 catches in their final season. So Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, it's not necessarily wrong and all the – but it just was kind of weird. And you're right. I mean, in the case of Kuyper, I guess this is more of an issue of Campbell and Stokes not matching what he had on his board, yeah. so therefore that's all he cares about. But in the McKinney thing, I mean, I'm not saying all the criticism is necessarily wrong. Maybe you should have thrown to him just a little bit more. Yeah, you know, you, you don't need to – and again – if McKitty, if Trey doesn't have that knee injury in camp last season, and he's healthy for the start of the season, you wonder where he ultimately ends up finishing over the course of the year. All right, Connor, terrific stuff. Look forward to reading a bunch from you both in terms of what's still left over from the draft, but obviously a lot of busy offseason, projecting 2022 draft, upcoming year. There's just so much to be done here around Dog Nation. Glad to have you on that wall. Yep, offseason never ends. Thanks for having me on, B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, really good stuff from uh, Connor Riley there. Appreciate his insight into all that. And he, and he is right. I mean, they probably should have thrown a Trey McKinney more in, in retrospect, given the fact that he was drafted as high as he was. But in the case of, like, the Campbell thing, I mean, and this goes back to the Zach Barnett piece of football scoop I was talking about before, that you can say that, well, oh, it's a disaster. The five-star you know, recruit wasn't a first-round pick. But when you're taking, I think it's 33 overall. He's 33rd overall. I mean, at a certain point in time, you're not talking about much of a difference in being actually one of those, you know, one of those first 32 picks. You're talking about being the first pick in the second round there. So, I mean, let's let's keep a little bit of perspective here. Um, so, just kind of interesting stuff all the way around. All right, let's bounce over. Let's do our SEC through here for a moment. Boy, a lot going on around the SEC. A lot of it is transfer related. I do want to start with some recruiting news. You probably saw yesterday that Georgia had a decommitment from three-star linebacker uh, Donovan Westmoreland out of Griffin, Georgia. A lot to like about Westmoreland as a player. Uh, he quickly not just decommits, but I'll use air quotes here, flips to South Carolina. And it was really interesting to watch the South Carolina fans yesterday. I'm one of these guys. I just like to watch what people are doing online you know especially you know message boards social media communities things like that i just like to watch the sec conversation unfold there was a pretty intense debate yesterday amongst south carolina fans as to whether the westmoreland thing actually counts as a flip given the fact that georgia is recruiting at such a level that you might wonder well does georgia have you know something bigger in its plans than westmoreland i'm not going to say that in a way of disparaging him because i said before that there's a lot to like about him as a player, but it was interesting to see just how much honesty now exists. I mean, the average SEC fan that follows recruiting is pretty plugged into all of this. Uh, you know, reading everything that's available online, absorbing everything that's available social media. You know, there's a mainstream fan that, you know, still exists that you can kind of pull the wool over their eyes. But the person who's really ingesting recruiting news for the most part, it's a little bit hard to fool that guy or gal. And so there were a lot of South Carolina fans like, I'm not really quite so sure this is a flip. But to the fans who say that, I will say this, recruiting is also one of these interesting things where 
you know, even if you think you're going to move on from a guy to find somebody better, sometimes that works out. But sometimes the guys that you move on from end up being pretty good players there as well. I mean, there was a time in years past that Georgia probably moved on from Elijah Moore, wide receiver that ends up going to Ole Miss. You saw the numbers that he put up for the Rebels over the course of his career there. Remember Rashad Wild Goose, uh, defense back, ends up in the Big Ten. He was a guy that got drafted over the course of this past weekend there as well. So, so you know, sometimes, you know, recruiting is one of these deals where the scholarship numbers are obviously very limited you don't have room for everybody you'd like to sign and you make the best choices you can about who in terms you prioritize with those 25 that you have available and some of the guys that sometimes you don't quite have room for end up being pretty good players in their own right maybe an example of that for westmoreland there is also a lot of this in the sec right now of those programs that go after that next tier of recruit and that guy comes in plays the chip on the shoulder so you may see some of that for uh, shane beamer's charges there in columbia uh, columbia Speaking of the other Columbia in Missouri here for a moment, this is pretty interesting. It's been out there for a couple of days. We're just now kind of getting around to it here. But Jadarius Perkins was a junior college defensive back. He's out of Hattiesburg, Mississippi for the 2021 class. I believe that he was the number, I think I have this right, number two DB behind Nugget Warren. Of course, Georgia fans are very familiar with. Well, uh, uh, Perkins goes to Missouri, and he actually participated in Missouri spring practice, and word was, was a potential competitor for a starting job there, but he's gone in to the transfer portal. Now, this would be interesting enough to speak about in its own right, but uh, Jadarius Perkins also has recently tweeted this, and this is worth us sharing here for a moment, that he's actually been offered a scholarship uh, by the University of Georgia. Perkins uh, saying that Georgia has offered... George not the only one. He's also tweeted the same thing about uh, Texas as a, uh, for instance, on that. So he's getting some big time offers after going into the transfer portal. So for whatever reason, not happy there at Missouri after showing some abilities and some skills, moves on the uh, transfer portal and uh, apparently a little drawing a little bit of interest from Georgia right now. That is worth paying attention to. We talked about this yesterday as a strong possibility. It is now a thing that has happened. Uh, Jamison Williams, former Ohio State wide receiver, who seemingly was leaving that program because of how crowded the wide receiver room is, has sort of weirdly ended up at, o at Alabama, another place that's also uh, very, very loaded at the wide receiver position. And, you know, the key takeaway in all of this is for all the chatter about, you know, you know guys looking for better opportunities, things like that, the big high-profile transfer portal receivers the last few days – They've all gone to trusted brands, right? When Xavier Worthy leaves Michigan, he goes to Steve Sarkeesian at Texas because of what Sarkeesian had done in Alabama, or at least you presume that was a big part of it. Mike Woods leaves Arkansas, goes to Oklahoma because of its history with wide receivers. Jamison Williams says, I'm not getting used at Ohio State enough, but I'm going to go to a place that's also really deep receiver because look at all the Alabama wide receivers and all the all – the, success they've had that clearly seems to be a thing that matters there when it comes to all of that and the rich get richer in terms of alabama on that front one more story to get to here really quick this is kind of an interesting uh, guy uh jay hardy was one of those very contested commitments my memory of him in the class of 2020 was at one point he went from like a top 12 to a top 16 like i mean he really had a lot of schools that he was considering for his recruitment ends up signing at auburn and as has happened a lot for the tigers as of late hardy is now going into the transfer portal this is one of those names just given the fact that so much of what hardy was considering prior to going to auburn was sec related you're kind of left to wonder was well, there another sec school especially one of these schools that hint, hint, has a lot of open scholarships right now and kind of needs uh, all the help that it can get uh, you kind of wonder if other sec schools might be looking to get in the fold here for hardy a little bit obviously need a little bit of help in relationship to the sec ch you know changing its rule that prohibits the current ban on intra-conference transfers the ncaa rule the free one-time pass there on transfers that does not supersede the sec rule the conference rule supersedes that and as of now the sec still bans immediate eligibility for interconference transfers even though they had the kind of the one-time waiver a year ago so for names like jay hardy and i guess to a certain extent the the guy that was at missouri there as well for some of these kinds of names they are going to be looking to see does the sec loosen this prohibition on these intra-conference transfers that's kind of the next big domino to fall here and as you can tell the entirety of the sec through today was completely loaded up with transfer talk my guess is rumored to be hitting the portal hitting the portal exiting the portal and going somewhere else my guess is that's the sec through really for the next foreseeable future weeks and weeks if not the rest of the summer all the way around as guys who aren't happy with where they are right now start looking for some new homes for now we'll make that your sec through
and as we wrap up here really quick before we do our golden shoe let me say this on friday we're going to have a very special show where I'm going to make a what I think is going to be a really fun announcement. Now, we have not been able to be together in person in quite some time. But on Friday, I'm going to be telling you about the next fun, big event Dog Nation is going to be doing. This is something that we've been wanting to do for a long time, and it's just kind of all falling together. For those, so, so for those of you who say, hey, B.A., when are y'all going to be doing something again? When are we going to get together again, uh, get in person again? Obviously, the the health direction makes it seem like we're able to do that now, and we have a big event we're going to announce on Friday. I will tell you about that, so make sure you tune in for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. By the way, speaking of a lot of fun, gold and shoe here today. Today is May the 4th. That is Star Wars Day for geeky guys like me, and I want to thank Seth Rhodes for sending me a fun tweet in relationship to that with Yoda with the sunglasses on. That's a really cool thing. By the way, uh, something else that's cool, how about Gator Hater Countdown? 179 days. Georgia goes back to Jacksonville, gets a win over those lousy, stinking Gators. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll look forward to talking to you then. And on the podcast, time now for R.S. Andrews Podcast Cool Down, where we will take your comments here. And apologies for yesterday, by the way. I got a lot of comments about this. Um, on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily, uh, Kelly Ray uh, reached out to say, "BA, don't start dodging the podcast cooldown, listeners. No questions answered Friday. Only uh, no questions answered today. Only one on Friday. Last few weeks getting shorter and shorter. Podcast folks are your bread and butter. Go dogs." Kelly says. So, a couple of things here. We did, and I apologize for this. We had to leave the studio yesterday, and we didn't really get a chance to come back. So, if you noticed, you may have detected a slight difference in audio sound for the interview we did with John Stenchcomb. I actually recorded it on my phone in the hallway while we were sheltered in place while the tornado was overhead here yesterday. And so we were not able to get back in for the podcast cool down yesterday. I should have put a note at the end of the show, just to be completely honest with you. I did not do that. So we're back doing that again here today. I am happy to hear that Kelly and others are enjoying what we're doing for the podcast cool down. One of the things that I do try to be mindful of is, and I always like your feedback for this, is that the podcast kind of checks in at a typical length. And every now and then, what Jeff Sintel goes long. I think it went pretty long with Connor Riley today. Sometimes the show stretches a little longer than normal. And I want to be mindful of the folks who, you know, may get a little too long for them from time to time. So I try to be mindful of that. Uh, but I am glad to know that Kelly and others are enjoying that. Also, thank you for the kind words. Heather Capallo uh, reaching out to say, are y'all safe? Scary way to end the show, keeping the uh, ATL in our prayers in Savannah. So, Heather, thank you so much for that. And I, yeah, if you're watching a video, we had this like thing of, and, you know, for me, I'm like anything else. I'm not that worried about anything, really. But we do have people that work with us and things like that. And, you know, you got to be you know respectful of others and things and so i want to make sure i get off the air so others can quickly go to get safety and obviously we did that yesterday but heather thanks for the uh for the nice words and all that i really appreciate that all the way around uh dog in houston also reaching out to do that there as well um uh robert hilton had an interesting uh point too we talked yesterday about how the connection of first round picks kind of equate with national championships and robert writes in to say that listening back from this morning, the idea of draft picks correlating with national titles should look at first-round skill players versus linemen as a part of that might be interesting there as well. And I do think that's interesting. You know, one of the things it seems like off the top of my head we've seen more of lately are those skill position players, right? Um, you, know, uh, you know, you've seen, of course, Alabama did have some linemen here this year too, but you know, it's this quarterback, wide receiver, running back group. And I'm I'm also not just saying, like, for instance, Travis Etienne was a first-round pick this year. Trevor Lawrence is a first-round pick this year, but they kind of played at a first-round level in contributing to Clemson's national title in 2018. So so you kind of see that, that skill position trio really be a big factor here in national championships. But obviously, in the case of Alabama with Leatherwood and, you know, what could have been true for Dickerson and, you know, guys like that, you know, the first round offensive lineman there as well. So I do think that looking at the position breakdown and all of this is pretty interesting, Robert. And that's something we probably need to do a lot more of. Uh, Deej Padgett tweets to say on the podcast, will you please bring attention to how Kirby Smart does developing players like Eric Stokes, who are three stars coming out of high school, because a lot of people think that since we don't have many first round picks uh, like LSU and Alabama, yeah, there's no doubt that one of the things that George has been really good at 
is the high-level development of these lesser recruits. DeAndre Baker was a three-star recruit, became a Thorpe Award winner at Georgia. Eric Stokes, three-star recruit, became a first-round pick. Uh, add J.R. Reed into this. Reed was not a huge draft pick, but as a Tulsa transfer and someone that really no one had heard of, you know, prior to him coming to UGA, was kind of thought to be kind of the the the, the player to be named later in the acquisition of of D'Angelo Gibbs at the time, as a transfer from Tulsa, J.R. Reed became an AP first-team All-American in his final year at UGA. That's a real success story, even if the, the NFL draft you know, success didn't quite correlate with that. And Kirby Smart has done an incredible job with that. Uh, Jordan Davis is a defensive lineman, another three-star-ish type player who's going to have a chance to have a similar story here this upcoming season. And my curiosity in all of this is, and I mentioned this to our video audience a few minutes ago, is... Sometimes I wonder how much of this is, you know, Georgia just, you know, really being good developing these three-star guys. And some of this I wonder is how much of this is Georgia just getting its pick of the litter within the three-star population in a way that most programs can't, right? I mean, if Georgia's recruiting a three-star and that three-star chooses Georgia over LSU and Auburn, programs like that, then how much of a three-star is this recruit really, right? I mean, it's like it may – may only be a three-star by designation but but the offer list certainly looks like a, a recruit of a higher caliber and you know in some cases that may be what, what what georgia has done there but there's no doubt i mean stokes who i think barely rated inside the top eight 800 or so as a recruit to to leave the program as the number 29 pick in the nfl draft is it's an amazing success story and obviously you'll celebrate the work that georgia did for the player but you'll also congratulate the player individually for what he was able to do there as well. And so I do think that's something worth worth talking about. We'll continue to talk about that a whole lot more. Thank you for being a part of our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down here today. Make sure you check out R.S. Andrews online for your air conditioning, your heating, your plumbing, electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. If your air conditioning unit is on the verge of going out, R.S. Andrews can do some good stuff for you. They can get your system tuned back up to factory fresh specs. So make sure you find them online at rsandrews.com. Have a great day. See you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia.